When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another episode of Horse Hour. We're taking a different turn now. We're going all cowboy-like. And I'd like to introduce to you somebody that is a cowboy for real life because he he's competed at some of the top, top-level rodeo. And his name is Pepper Stewart. He's definitely a talker because he's also a talk show host, which I'll tell you about later. But first of all, Pepper, how are you? I'm doing I'm doing good. How, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. So you're based all the way over in Texas in America. All the way, a whole, a whole 10 hour airplane <laughs> ride away. I know. And how many hours ahead are we at the moment? It's insane. It must be like really late. Is it really late? Really early in the morning for you then? No, it's, ar- it's early in the morning here. I'll best you. It's eight, it's eight o'clock in the morning. But I guess you've already been out doing the horses so far this oh, morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how many have you got? Uh, right now we're probably about 30. Oh, wow. How do you find the time to ride all of them? Uh, well, a lot of them are rodeo horses that are used for the rodeo. Okay. So do they not get trained much or No, they just they they live the uh they live the good life. They get to they run out on uh, all the all the rodeo horses that we have. They run in their own pasture of about 45 acres and uh they get to work maybe one one day a month for about 8 seconds. You're kidding. That's it. That's all they do. They live the high life. So then there's no there's no pre-training for them to be rodeo horses. They're just wild. Well, they they either have it or they don't. Uh, your rodeo horses, uh, they're they're bucking horses for the rodeo, and they either like what they do and they and they buck or they don't. And you you're not going to find a horse and make it buck, as as some people think that you make it. Well, no, you don't make it. They either do it. They either do do it and enjoy it, or they don't. Okay, because every horse has an inkling to buck every now and again, but to be able to get it to buck on time when you want it to. Right. How, how do you do that? They, it's just it's just in them. Some horses just like some people. Some people have attitude. Well, some horses have attitude. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the myths that we hear are that you know they're beaten to be able to get them to buck, and they're abused, and they're treated really badly. Is that not the case? That that's not. You've got to. You have to really, and and that's one thing that that people. People, a lot of people don't like things or they hate things that they don't understand or mm-hmm. they don't know much about. And your rodeo animals, say your your horses, your bulls, uh, it's uh, over here, especially in America, it's a big business. It's a lot of money. You've got bulls that are worth millions of dollars. Wow. So if you've got an animal that is worth a million dollars or more, some of these rodeo bulls get sold. Uh, in partnerships, and some of your some of your bulls' half interest in a bull may be five hundred thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! So these these bulls they live they live the good life. They're in uh, you know a lot of them have their own pens, have their own places. They get exercised every day. They eat the top foods, uh, high quality foods, and I mean they're they're treated really really well. And like I say, some things people that don't if you don't know about it or, or been around it, you just go by what you've been told or what you've heard mm. and not really seen it for yourself. And you it, it's something you just don't understand. Okay, well that's where you come in because we want you to we want you <laughs> to tell us exactly what it's like. And and you started at a young age, was it twelve? Yes. And you still live on your family's farm where you grew up. Yes. Amazing. Yes. And and did your dad always have rodeo horses? Uh, yeah, he there was always always stuff, something there or stuff there to do. Whether it was it was riding horses or 
working uh, cows. We always had stuff to do, and uh, we always had animals there to, to ride and to practice on. And what made you decide that this is what you wanted to do? Because it's not I, like, I, I mean, let's be honest, you know, I guess the English are quite reserved and we like our safety. We like our body protectors and our hats and everything like that. What on earth made you think, I'm just going to go and sit on a horse until it can buck me off? <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's just one of those, I guess, it, it's a, it's an adrenaline, an adrenaline rush thing that, that you don't get anything else. Like people that skydive or stuff like that, you know, it's just the, the rush of adrenaline. You can't copy that. And you said, I, I've seen a quote from you and it's, um, there's no fear in the ring. Yes, this, this happened, uh, there was a newspaper was out at one of the rodeo events and uh, I was working as a bullfighter, a rodeo clown. And my partner that works with me, cause usually work in twos or threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, he was injured. So mm-hmm. I was the only one there. And the guy from the newspaper was talking to me and he says, well, are, are you going to be scared? You're, you're going to be, you're the only guy there. Are you going to be afraid? And I said, no, I said, when you're in the arena, fear is not an option. And he's like, oh, that sounds good. Let me write that down. <laughs> so he wrote that down. And so ever since then, that's, and, and that's the thing as, as working, uh, as, as a rodeo clown bullfighter, as I did, uh, you don't have time. It's just all reaction. Everything is reactionary. And when you're in the arena like that with the bull, it's an, you know, it's an adrenaline rush too. It's, it's just knowing that you're going to be better than that bull. And if you're not, he's going to show you. Mm. Have you had any like bad accidents? Uh, not real, not real bad. Uh, I've had some some stuff broken, and I've got plenty of of scars <laughs> scars here and there. But it hadn't been uh, hadn't been real bad. Some some guys get it have gotten it worse. I mean, what must your wife think? Every time you go into the ring, she must be going, "Papa, I married you because I love you. Please don't hurt yourself." Well, my wife is a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> And that, everybody says, oh, well, I know how you met your wife. Well, actually, I didn't get married until after I was done competing mm-hmm. as as a bullfighter. I'd stop. And that's just one thing. I did not want to settle down and get, you know, get married and start a family and everything while I was still competing because you're on the road a lot. You're you're always gone. I mean, you've got 52 weekends a year and you're gone doing something i was at at least two rodeos a week for for years and so you're always uh we had practice pins during the week and then you had uh whatever rodeo show that you were doing that weekend so you were always on the road and do you take the bulls with you or are they already allocated at each competition uh each competition has their own contractor mm-hmm. each each event has their own stock contractor that, that they contract to uh, supply the stock to the event. So after the competition, then the, the animals are looked after. It's not they're just used once and then that's it. No, no, they're used numerous times. And these, and and like I like I said before, these animals. I mean, they're out on their own places. A lot of them have their own pens, and uh, they go out and they work eight seconds a night, and then they go home and just relax all week. And they have swimming pools for bucking bulls. Oh really? And and these bulls, they get exercise during the week. Mm-hmm. They have just like a horse walker. They have bull walkers. Oh wow! They they go around in in circles and they walk the bulls. The bulls swim in the pools, and they're exercised just like I mean they're athletes just like any just like the uh, the cowboys are. So I guess it's a lot of training for both of you. A lot of training you must have to do to stay fit to be able to stay on. There there is there is a lot of training. It used used to not be so much, but there is uh, nowadays a lot a lot of the guys spend a lot of time in the gym just to be able to keep up with the livestock athletes that are out there today. Mm-hmm. And now you breed pony rodeos. Uh, yes, we have pony bronx, which are uh, I know there's a big controversy that's been around the internet now about somebody had started with the miniature horses. And the kids riding the miniature horses. Okay. And I'd seen that because a lot of people, you know, the ponies are their pets. It's their, that's my pet and, you know, like a, like a dog. Mm. And what we have is we have mid-sized horses. They're not too small. They're not too big. They're, they're mid-sized, kind of like a welch. And the kids that, that ride them are 9 to 12 years old. They are tiny. I watched a YouTube yes. video earlier of yes. these kids. I'm like... I don't think I could put my little baby on one of those horses. They are full on. I mean, we're not talking little yes. bucks. They are going for it just like the, the adult men are. Yes, and that's and it's all a training thing. And then uh, I know somebody had – they did the first world championship for the youth pony riders this year at Las Vegas. And 
there's a big controversy that going on now where the some of the people have, have been making bad comments on uh, certain videos and things and why are you doing that to your kids that's child abuse they shouldn't be letting kids do that or forcing their kids to do that and it's no different than your kid playing football i mean like american football mm-hmm. little kids play american football at six years old they're out there in pads and helmets smashing into each other and it's, so it's no different than that and if that's something that your kid wants to do then why not help him do it? And does your little boy do it? Ah, uh, he has done some stuff off and on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't push him to do it. I'd rather him not do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? And, Why is that? Well, I mean, yeah, I guess just as a parent, I would, I would rather not see him go through that because I know what I went through, yeah. and and stuff. But like I've told him, I said I'm not gonna push it on you. I'm not gonna force you to do it. If you want to do it, I will help you. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that I'm going to say, hey, you know, we rodeo, we're a rodeo family, you're going to rodeo. Mm. And, and, and just leave the option up to him. He wanted to, uh, he wanted to ride bulls for a little while. Uh, he tried that a little bit. Uh, he gets on the bucking horses. He gets on the horses at the house, and he rides them around and, and stuff. And he, he gets out there and plays with the cows unless the cows chase him around and stuff <laughs> like that. So I just let him do what he, what he wants to do. And then whenever he decides, you know, I, I'll help him any way I can. That's a sensible way to think about things. And, and now you finally know how your mum felt, all that worry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when she said, I can't come and watch you, Pepper, I'm too, I'm too scared about what might happen. You're now sat in those shoes. <laughs> oh, I, I know. And it, it was, it's been that, it was that way for, for years. Even when I, was in, uh, when I was in high school playing football, it was the same thing. She would sit up there in the stands and cover her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> My brother was a professional rugby player and uh, which is like your American football except we don't play wear pads and my mum could never go and watch him because she was just so afraid that he was going to be because he's so little that he was going to be stretched off which is how I think maybe some of the parents would feel watching their kids do rodeo is they want their kids to do it because I guess the, the children want to and they enjoy it and it's their passion and I'm a strong believer in you should support your kids whatever they want to do. Um, but there is a huge safety risk and safety element to that as opposed to playing football or, or cycling. Right. And especially in especially in rodeo, if you're in if you're in the rough stock in rodeo ride you know, riding bulls or horses or something like that, there's there is no whistle. There's no timeout. It's it's over when you hit the ground. And mm. if you're riding bulls, it's over when you get out of the arena. I was looking at some of the competitions that you do, because you're a judge as well, aren't you? Yes. How, what do you have to do to be a judge then? How can you? What, what are the things that you judge on? As as being a a bullfighter, now I judge bullfighting competitions, and I, I was a bullfighter for years, and and so now I judge competitions uh, from time to time. In in bullfighting, uh, it's not like Spain. A lot of people still have the misconception. Uh, I was speaking at a college in South Texas uh, last month, and even even in this day and time, people still have misconceptions on. The rodeo bullfighting. Uh, it's not like Spain. They don't kill the bull. They don't hurt the bull. You're in the arena with the bull for 40 seconds. And you're trying to control the bull. What's the aim? What do they have to try and get the bull to do? You want to get as close to the bull as you can without letting the bull control you. Uh, a lot of guys will make, you'll make circles with the bull, see how close you can get to it, make circles, jump the bull, and take charge of the fight. It's not actual fight, but I mean, take charge of the fight. We're being control where you're having the bull, you know, the bull's following you in circles or following you around and not, he's not chasing you the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that happens. And I've got, I had some videos, I've got some videos of that as well. And, and that's what we showed on the, on the big screen at the college for those, for those kids to understand because they were, they were still thinking Spain and, and stuff like that. And it's, it's not, it's not that way. So what are your thoughts on the way that the, the Spanish treat their bulls? Because when they, when they bullfight, they use spears and start stabbing the bulls, don't they? Yeah, and they, and they, and they end up killing them. And I, I, for me, I, no, I don't like that. I'm, you know, I've never been to, a, to Spain and, and seen that. But, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like that. And, and one of the things of those bulls, because a lot of those Spanish bulls are used in the American bullfights. And one of the reasons that those bulls like that get killed off is they're smart. Mm-hmm. And those bulls are fought when they when they fought them over here in in American bullfights. Those bulls get used over and over and over. So those bulls learn. Oh. They learn the game. And you may throw a fake and try to fake him out one time or two times, but he's going to catch on. Mm. The next time you throw that fake, he's going to be there. And it's the same thing. You know, those bulls learn and they, and they get smart and they understand the game and they realize what's going on. And so. The older those bulls get, 
you know, the more difficult there is. I mean, those guys get get smashed and run over and knocked out and broken bones. And and uh, if anybody's getting hurt during a bullfight, it's going to be the <laughs> the bullfighters, not the bull. Mm. So what do you do the rest of the time then? As as the horses, the the Broncos are only being worked for eight seconds a month. What do you fill the rest of your time with? There's always stuff to do. <laughs> always something to do. Um, you've got there's always fence to be fixed. There's always cows to be checked. You're always doing something. There's never any downtime. Just sorting the farm out then, I guess. So so oh yeah. Your your income then is every time you fight or every time you judge. Those big competitions mean. That that's how you make a living, right? You you do get paid for judging different events. You get paid for your stock. You know, when you, if you haul stock to a rodeo, mm-hmm. you know, that you do get paid a, so much per uh, animal that that you bring, and that and that gets up there. And that the bigger the events are, the more the more money in there. And that's that's like uh, I think I'd, I'd seen a report that at the national finals, the animals were were nine thousand dollars an out. <gasps> Wow. There is big money in these animals. So, like I've said before, if you've got these rodeo animals, uh, you're taking care of them. I mean, a lot of them are insured. A lot of them have insurance. Well, I was just going to say, is there a big risk of people stealing them? There is, and that's why a lot of them are, are kept up. And a lot of these places have surveillance. Mm-hmm. You've, got, you've got cameras uh, in, the, in the barns, in the stalls that are monitored. 24/7. You've got so much land over there, and you need a lot of land to be able to keep 30 horses on. You can't keep an eye on them 24 hours a day. We know what it's like no, with you... five acres, let alone, what have you got, 100 <laughs> acres? <laughs> yes, yes, you've got, to, you've got to keep an eye out, and you've got to check. And one of the things that's real big right now that's really come back up with is cattle theft and people stealing cows. Every week, I have go through stories and stories of, of cattle theft, because right now, cows are about as high as they've ever been in a, in a while. And why, so Why is that then? Well, they had uh there's some big some pretty bad storms that came through a couple of years ago up in the in the northern part and it killed off a lot. Mm. A lot of the beef production was was killed off in the snowstorm. So now the the feedlots and things are not were not as full or not at full capacity. So they could afford to pay a little more for for the animals. And like I tell people, uh cattle is one of the one of the things that you can steal and resell and still get full market value. Uh, you go steal somebody's TV and you go to a pawn shop, you know, you might have stole a hundred dollar TV where they're going to give you $20 for it. Mm-hmm. But if you steal a thousand dollar cow and you go to the sale and you, uh, and you sell that cow, you're going to get a thousand dollars for that cow. Wow. And so that, that is really big right now. Uh, still, still this day, everybody thinks, you know, cattle rustling from the 1800s. Well, it's still going on to this day. So do you have to go and check the cattle every day? Yes, yes. Uh, you want to check your cows every day. You want to run, you know, you ride through the pastures and, and check and get it, kind of get a head count and see what you've got and, and just keep an eye on things and, and your fences because a lot of, a lot of our, on our places, a lot, of the, a lot of the fences have been there for hundreds of years. Mm. And with the tree lines and things, those dead trees, every time the wind blows, a tree falls. <laughs> so, Nightmare. <laughs> I mean, so you've always got to keep an eye out because if you don't, they're going to get out. Mm-hmm. And how how many acres have you got? We're running on a little over a hundred acres. So how long does it take you to get around all of that? Oh, it's it's not long at all. It's probably probably twenty minutes, thirty minutes. Oh, is that all? Oh, that's okay. That's all. I was thinking you'd be out for days. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> so um, I, I've been looking at some of the competitions then that you do. And basically, I saw this guy called Lame Frost. He died at 25. He was bullfighting. And after he died, he made it into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. And yet, Lame Frost, he was a bull, he was a bull rider. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he did die. He did die in competition uh, in 89. He had uh, a bull had hit him in the ribs and, the, and uh, it punctured his lung. And is this kind of thing, does it happen a lot? It, not so much anymore. Uh, it was after he died, uh, his, a friend of his, Cody Lambert, that runs the, uh, the PBR now, the Professional Bull Riders, uh, he's the, the main uh, stock contract guy for that, but he came out with the vest, and that's where the vest came from. Oh, I see. So now they wear and, protection. Yes, now they wear a vest. Now a lot of guys nowadays are starting to wear helmets, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not mandatory like the vests are now. And do they, do they do any other safety things to make it a little bit safer for them? That's it. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's it. Mega and, scary. And, and just like in, in rodeo, it's not like uh, other professional sports where you're, you're getting paid all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like in football, soccer, well, these guys are on a team and, you know, his, his foot hurts today. He's not going to play. Well, he still gets paid. But in rodeo, if, if, you don't, if you do not compete and you do not win, you're not getting paid. Mm. 
So a lot of times you're competing with a lot of, a lot of injuries because you have to. Yeah. I got to ask you, do you mind, do you mind being called a cowboy? Uh, no. There's no I, animosity I between like no. cowboys and rodeo riders and No, no not really. And a lot of times that somebody they just if they see somebody in a hat <laughs> so wearing a hat, they'll think it's a cowboy. But I mean, it's and, and there's a lot of differences in things. You have your working ranch cowboys, you have your rodeo cowboys, which is a different uh, a difference that we've talked about. We talk about sometimes on the show that uh, some of these rodeo cowboys they live in the city, they live in town, they live mm. in apartments. They just they just compete in rodeo. Mm. And then you have your regular your what they call you know your regular cowboys that they live on the farm, they live on the ranch, and and. They take care of animals. Either, either way is fine with me. They can say rancher. They can say cowboy. To me, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. And are your parents still around? No. My father, he died when I was 11. Oh, I'm sorry. And my mother, I think I was probably 22, 23. But she lived to see yes. you do what you wanted to do, live your dream, as it were. Yes, Oh, amazing. Pepper, thank you so much. It's been fascinating. Really, really interesting talking to you. When's your show? Because you do a weekly show on the internet. Uh, yes, we do a weekly show every Monday night. It's six o'clock our time, so it's really late <laughs> over there. But all the shows are recorded mm-hmm. and put up for, for replay. So if somebody wanted to watch it or just listen to it, because it's on iTunes and in a couple of different places where you can download the audio versions. Yeah. And so it, it's out there. Oh, the only other thing I want to throw out about rodeo right quick that mm-hmm. I get asked thousands of times, um, the animals that do buck, the strap that's on them. Okay. Everybody's big deal about the flank, the flank strap. Mm-hmm. All it is, it is a, it's just like a belt going around your waist. Mm-hmm. It's not real tight. and It doesn't go around anything. And because a lot of people say, well, they, they tied around that bull's, deal so he'll buck well no mm-hmm. it's it's not like that you don't you don't tie anything on anything it's just around your waist and it's kind of loose and they're just kicking it off oh and that's what makes them buck yeah they're just kicking it off but and, and like i've said before if you have if you have an animal that doesn't want to buck they're not going to buck yeah uh we've been through horses before that you can put the the flank around their waist and they will not buck at all Okay, and what happens to those horses then? What do you do with them? They get rode and end up getting sold to somebody for the to ride. <laughs> yeah, I've, I had a, I've got a video somewhere, maybe on Vine. I'm not sure of of one of uh, the horses that I had. It did that. We were at at a rodeo competition, <laughs> and it they opened the gate and it walked out oh, no. about ten steps and just stood there. Oh no! <laughs> Slightly <laughs> awkward. <laughs> yeah and so that's what I, I tell people you know they and the horses and, and the bulls and things they're they're like people they mm-hmm. have their own attitudes and their own personalities some you know some are nice some are mean just like people you know some have good attitudes some have bad attitudes just it, it it's just like just like people anything else not every bull is going to make a rodeo bull yeah. not every horse going to make a, a, a rodeo horse and that's just that's just the nature of it pepper thanks so much thank you for educating us so we can go to your website pepperstewart.com yes and if we want to follow you on twitter what's your twitter handle twitter is pepper stewart and i think i'm uh, i think i've got it's pepper stewart seven on instagram and then there's pepper stewart on vine and <laughs> pepper on, stewart on it's YouTube. on it <laughs> yeah well, we can I'm on, find I'm you. On Pepper Stewart. I'm on Pepper Stewart on YouTube. I'm on 7SC Ranch on YouTube. I'm everywhere. We'll be over there. Now, we'll be back over there again in June. What, are you coming over to the UK? Yes. Every every couple of years, we, we come over and uh, just wander around. Oh, what, for a holiday? Yes. You and your wife and your, what's your little boy called? Yes. Uh, Trey. Oh, amazing, Pepper. Where are you going to stay? I'm not sure yet. Uh, last year we we did uh, London and and uh, Yorkshire mm-hmm. and around there. We did we did stay on a farm over there last last year for a few days. Lovely. And uh, that was that was kind of interesting to see how just to see how things were done over there compared to over here. It's so different. So different. Oh, it is <laughs> real different. And uh, so we did that. Uh, we'll be over again. We. We put all our videos on the 7SC Ranch YouTube. We took the, the GoPro and we filmed everything. So we hit uh, all the abbeys and, mm-hmm. and castles and stuff like that. And then from through London, Yorkshire, northern Yorkshire and, and all that. And then we're, I think we're going west this time. Uh, where would you like to go? What would you like to see? I have no idea. I don't know till I, I, I get there. Well, see, my wife, is a, she's a big history buff. So she's into all the, all the history stuff. Our yeah. house looks like a museum. 
uh, eBay knows us. <laughs> we, we have we have swords. We have stuff from uh, from battles, and I mean, it's just we've got two, three hundred year old stuff in in the house. It looks like a it's like a museum. Well, you need to head to um, kind of just north of London. There's um, Buckinghamshire. So Buckinghamshire has a lot of history there, and so does Hertfordshire. And there's some old mansion houses, huge, huge, huge mansion houses where the Queen lived. One, I think it was like Queen Elizabeth lived when she was growing up, just before she became queen, just before she got together with the king. That's where she grew up. It's fascinating. So I'll send you loads of places. And you must come down to the New Forest in Dorset. Come and visit me. I was about to say, I have to ask her. She she has the maps and everything drawn out. If you miss the riding, I'm sure I can find some bucking horses for you. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Pepper, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. All right. Thank you. Now on to my next next guest. I've got my very good friend with me today, Toby Daniels. He's a farrier, fully qualified farrier, and uh, and is actually my farrier as well. So I thought it'd be really nice to have a chat with him today and get the lowdown on what it's like to be a farrier. How are you, Toby? Not too bad, thank you. Good, good. So what made you decide that you wanted to be a farrier? Just always loved horses and really got on with horses and thought it was a really good job when I finished school. How old were you when you left school? 16, and then I went to college for a year up at Warwickshire. Oh, really? Yeah. That's quite far away from where you live. Yes. So you had to, like, literally leave home? Yes, I, I lived away for a year up and at how? Warwickshire. It was really good fun. I bet it was. <laughs> when did you start riding? I started when I must have been about 12, riding <laughs> on and off every, every now and then. But through my apprenticeship, I really had to stop because I couldn't get injured. Oh, really? So you weren't allowed to ride? I, I chose not to. Oh, okay. And what type of riding did you do? Just general happy stuff. <laughs> hacking? Do you do yeah. any show jumping? Not really, no. no. No, just general happy hacking. and Cowboy style, gun-ho, yeah. get on the horse and ride kind of thing. Yeah. What made you choose to be a farrier rather than getting into like the riding industry? Well, I, funny enough, I always wanted to be in the army. Did you? Yeah. Did you want to be one of the one of the um, people in the cavalry? I was debating it, and then I've I, in year eleven it just sort of clicked what I wanted to do, and, and uh, I always wanted to be in the just do a farrier then, and that was it. And that meant that you could work for yourself as well, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Not going through the army life and having to be going the cavalry for two years to become a farrier, so or at least minimum anyway. So, so who did you do your apprenticeship with? A farrier from Verwood called Philip Thomas. Mm-hmm. Is he good? Yes. Yeah, he's a good farrier. What was it like then on your first day when you had to go out with him? Uh, well, I, funny enough, from college I had to do two weeks work experience. And then I did it with him. And I completed my course and I went out with him for um, a little bit and then started my apprenticeship. So then at what point from doing your apprenticeship to getting qualified did you then decide to go out by yourself? Uh, pretty much straight away. And you picked up clients, okay? Yes, yeah, it started a bit slow, but I, I wasn't rushing it. I just got a good name and, and then they just came in. Because really. you have the best reputation throughout Dorset. Like, literally, anyone that I've spoken to that says um, they're looking for a farrier, you get mentions on Facebook, people are like, you've got to have Toby Daniels, you've got a waiting list. You are so busy that you literally can't get anyone else in. Do you think that's because you've got a... The relationship that you have with horses and the way that you treat horses is you're really gentle and you're really kind and you look after the horse. Do you think that's how you've built up your clientele? Partially, yes. Yeah, I think so. And also always trying your best for the clients and trying to fit around them. Like working weekends, putting yourself out there for them. Yeah, you do because, you know, some of your clients are like top, top professional riders and you're there at 10 o'clock at night under the lights trying to do their horses. Yes, sometimes they, they have to be done like that, yeah. <laughs> do you find do you find people quite demanding? Some horsey people can be demanding, depending <laughs> on what job they do. A lot of them can be forgiven if you give them the service. Mm. Um, but you do get the odd one or two demanding ones. And you went riding this weekend, didn't you? You got back into it again. I have finally got back into riding, yeah. So you've got your first horse? What? Yes, yeah, I do have um, a Cobb Cross Thoroughbred, 17 hands. Oh, nice. And he's a lovely... Blue and white horse. He's huge, 17 hands. Yeah. And you're not that tall. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what do you do with him? Uh, he's going to be a hopefully a hunter and possibly a venter. Oh, wow. Depending whether I can get the nerves for jumping. <laughs> okay. Are you still slightly nervous riding or do you have you got no fear? 
Uh, slightly nervous because I don't want to get injured. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Because if I get injured, that's my money gone. Yeah, because it's not like you can pay yourself sick pay. No. <laughs> Okay, so eventing, what are you going to do? The dressage and the show jumping and the cross country as well? Yeah, well, he's only just been broken, so this year we're going to start on the flat. Mm-hmm. And then possibly next year start jumping him. And who have you got helping you? Uh, my good friend and dressage rider, Rob Trowbridge. And he, he was a young rider for Great Britain, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. And he's the one that you do is do their feet I, at 10 o'clock yeah. at night. <laughs> and also I sponsor him as well. Oh, do you? Yeah. So tell me about your horse then. So what's he called? He's called Arthur. Mm-hmm. And who backed him for you? Rob did. Oh, did he? Yeah. So he was brave. Did he wear a body protector? Yes, he was, he was a big wuss. He was was a he? Yeah. What happened when he broke him? He was really good, didn't really put foot wrong. Were you there at the same time? Yes, yeah, he wouldn't do it on his own. He's a chicken, isn't he? <laughs> These dressage riders. Oh, <laughs> you be careful there. We all like a bit of dressage. You know I'm a dressage rider. Oh, are you? Well, no, I'm not really, but I try. I pretend. <laughs> <laughs> so, you backed Arthur. Yeah. What, uh, what do you do with him? I We haven't done anything yet because he is not sound. Oh, no, Due why? to lymphangitis, which is inflammation of the lymph glands in the leg due to mud fever. No. So, um, he's just on antibiotics at the moment, so... How did he get mud fever? Just due to the rubbish weather that we're seeing at the moment. Are you seeing that a lot more now? Yes. Yeah, mud fever, abscesses. You've just been to see somebody who had an abscess, didn't you? It wasn't an abscess in the end. It was a uh, puncture to the frog. Due oh, to a, It looks like a bit of a stone or something has punctured the frog. How can they fix that? Uh, she's got the vet coming out later to have a look to make sure it's not gone any deeper and basically treat it the same as you would any sole puncture. Which is wrap it up in bandages. Uh, yeah, poultice it and make sure it stays clean. Antibiotics if mm-hmm. needed. Do you find then that you're called before the vet is when it's anything to do with the feet? Because let's be honest, yes. you're cheaper. We are cheaper, <laughs> yes. So like if I thought there was a problem with Blackjack's foot, then I would call you and say, I don't know what it is, please have a look. And then and then if it's serious, you'll know, won't you? As a pharaoh, we can, we can treat it as first aid. Mm-hmm. which means we can take the shoe off, have a look, make sure there's nothing more sinister going on. Yeah. And then if there's anything else that's going on that we need the vet, we have to recommend you get the vet out. Because I've never seen an abscess, and I hear about abscesses all the time. It's one of my paranoid things is that he might get an abscess, and I don't even know what I'm looking for. Well, unfortunately, with abscesses, you won't know until the horse goes lame. Oh, really? Yeah. So what, do they go really lame? Yes, basically like they've broken their leg lame. They can't walk at all. And what yeah. what actually causes an abscess? An abscess is basically just to build up a pressure due to pus in the mm-hmm. foot, um, which is why it's also known as pus in foot, because there is something that's gone into the foot. Yeah. Um, so it could be anything from a stone to a nail. It could be a stone, a bit of grit, um, a nail causing pressure. Bruising can actually turn into an abscess. Oh. Um, so it doesn't even need to be a puncture wound. It could be something from the inside as well. 
Okay, so let's go on to then the more technical things of the feet and why it's so important to have a really good farrier. Um, I mean, a lot of farriers, you get good ones and not so good ones. We've all been trained four years apprenticeship. Uh, We all do exactly the same course. It all just depends on the mentality of the person. Mm-hmm. Me personally, every other month I got, I tried to go up to Lippert with the farrier up there just to gain more knowledge and do as many courses as I can. And I find he is definitely a really good bloke to learn from. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a competitive industry as well. Yeah. So you never hear one farrier say good things about another farrier's work. I don't think you should slag off other people's work I don't think that's fair um I just want to know that my horse is okay and that his feet are okay and that he's sound but you said an interesting thing to me the other day was that I found my horses quite often lose shoes but you said that's not a problem it's a a sign of a good thing if they lose shoes um a farrier that never loses shoes you generally find they're not always doing the best thing for the horse and why is that because that means they're fitting them too short to the foot Mm-hmm. which means it's not giving the foot chance to expand, which in hunting or racing or anything like that, that's not a problem because you're shooting them so often. Yeah. But with normal horses, event horses, anything like that, which is on about a six to eight week rotor, they generally grow and expand. So the foot expands over the shoe, which if you're not giving them the support in the first place, they're not able to expand, which means they're going to come over to the side and maybe cause more problems so let's go really back to basics then what is the point in shoeing because there's this big debate between whether you should shoe your horse or whether you shouldn't and i know some people that have no shoes and they absolutely point blank refuse to put shoes on their horse because they say their horse is better uh, balance wise um it's got strong feet it's better without shoes and then there are some people that are adamant that you've got to have shoes the shoe purpose is basically protection okay. no other reason i mean you can obviously change the way the horse goes for instance there's conformational problems or there's limb problems due to old age or the way it's been moving you can change things but the, the main purpose for a shoe is for protection of that foot so if you're doing a lot of road work then your horse is going to wear down its feet mm-hmm. which means it's going to become sore have more problems possibly like abscesses with stones going in there or anything like that so the whole reason for the shoe is to try and prevent other problems occurring. Have you seen the new bendy shoes that some people have invented? You haven't seen those yet? Okay, so I've seen a lot on, on the internet about these flexible shoes that aren't made of iron. Are they? What are they made out of at the moment? You get some that plastic. Yeah. You do get plastic shoes. Um, I use imprints every now and then when I need to, which is a, a plastic um, shoe which moulds onto the foot. I haven't generally seen any other plastic shoe which I've tried myself. I'm not going to lie. They, they might be good. They might be bad. They I don't look know. like jelly. But the other problem with plastic shoes is the amount of grip they give. Sometimes, if it's the wrong type of plastic, the imprint shoes are good because he's developed them so they give the natural grip and, and they absorb the concussion, but they are expensive. However, a, a normal plastic shoe I've seen either grips too much or doesn't grip at all. So the imprint ones are plastic then, that what do you do? You fit them around the around the hoof? Yes, yeah, it's basically like a, a plastic band, um, a, a, sh- a normal heart bar shoe that you fit onto the foot and then it you mould onto the the wall itself and you haven't thought about using these i do but they I, I use them myself as well on some horses but they are expensive they're 235 pound personally to fit a, wow. pair. a pair a pair yes and how often do they need changing same as normal shoes What's six every, weeks every six weeks yeah, which is why i mean I, I think some people do them cheaper but yeah well the, the new jelly ones that i found that I don't even think they're out yet. They're very, very new. I, I say they're jelly. They're, they're probably not made out of jelly, but to me, they look like jelly. Um, they actually mould around stones and around hard objects. So the, the question is, are they safer for the horse? Because it means that the horse has more flexibility when it's out hacking and when it's riding. When you, when you mean jelly shoe, do you mean the actual shoe or a pad that goes on underneath? Or The shoe. So rather than an iron shoe being nailed on, it's kind of glued on, but it's it's a softer material so that it protects the hoof. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> I, I can't honestly say because I haven't seen them. Personal, it, it all depends on how long it's going to do that for and the price. Steel is so cheap compared to any other product you can use on the market. That's 
why steel is still the the top thing on the on the shoeing list. But if another product comes out which is just as cheap or better, then they'd have a place. But yeah, I don't know what can beat a steel shoe. They give the amount. The right amount of grip and the natural slide of the, the foot. So quite often people have said to me previously when I've lived in other places, they said the horse's shoe is too small, it's too near the frog and it needs to be wider and it needs to be longer at the back. And some farriers have fitted it with an extra like half an inch at the back to give extra growing room. Is that something that you see a lot? I guess it depends on each horse. It depends on each horse and each fairy and also how long the shoes have been on there. Mm -hmm. Um, The foot is always changing. So the frog is growing or it gets worn away. Um, The the foot is always growing. Um, The sole exfoliates. All those sort of things come into account. So looking at one foot and saying, that's a bad job, you can't because you, you don't know unless you've seen it on the day it's been done. Okay. Um, if I trim the heels back to the widest point of the frog, which I personally think they should be, then you shouldn't need to give it a massive amount of the back because you are fitting it to the place it should be. That makes sense. And what can we do then as horse owners to make to look after our horse's feet better? Clean them daily, moisturise them. There's not a lot we can do, is there? I mean, the mud fever is, is a nightmare at the moment. Mud fever, unfortunately, it's a bacterial infection due to stagnant water. So there's a lot of different things about mud fever. I know, some people say you should wash their feet, some, some people, people say, say they them, some people say don't, some people yeah. say dry them, but bacteria grows in um, moist, warm places. Yes. Personally, I would dry, and I've been told by many vets to dry the feet out, make sure they're really dry, and then put like a barrier cream on them just to stop excess moisture getting through. Has that helped Arthur now that he's getting better? It has, yes, yeah. So you dry his feet out every day? Dry his legs every day. And I personally, everyone's different. I've had so many different treatments like aqueous cream, cream you can get from the vet. I've used green oils, which is an old remedy, which seems to have sorted out his scabs on his legs. Mm. Um, So that seems to work for him, but everyone's different. What's green oils? It's a really old remedy. It's been around for years. And it's just something that um, someone's recommended to me. I've tried it. And it seemed to have really cleared up the um, mud fever. Oh, good. So, and there hasn't been masses loss of hair or anything like that. So, so how long until he's back in work then? Should be any time really. He's um, nearly there. Yeah, the the swelling's gone down in the leg. There's just one scab left, which we are treating. And yeah, no, he's he's looking on the the app. So while he's just got to shoe him now. <laughs> have you shooed him yet? Is this the yes, first? yeah, yeah. No, I, sh- I shot him for the first time, and then once he's been in in problems, I've taken the shoes off, but. When I shot him, he was an angel. Just stood there, not even tied up. How do you deal with horses that are naughty? There's no such thing as a naughty horse, just one that doesn't know what's expected of it. So with that, I mean, I've dealt with many tricky horse, whether it's having the first set of shoes on to just being generally scared or not knowing what to do. And I find that if you're calm and gentle around them and you don't hold the head really tight or anything like that, then they generally seem to settle down and just be calm and go with them i mean Mm. if they're hopping around you just go with them you don't hold them down or force them into anything because it doesn't having shoes put on a horse doesn't actually hurt them does it no no not unless you get the nails in the wrong place if you get them in the wrong place then obviously you get nail binds on nail but you know when you're when you're hot shoeing them yes and we smell that it smells like burning flesh it's disgusting yeah that doesn't hurt them it's just like you burning your nail um it doesn't hurt unless you go obviously near to the sensitive mm-hmm. if you go near to the sensitive area then it can be sore like like heat onto your skin I, i'd imagine because it's so hard to find a good farrier which is why we go on recommendation because the fear of the horses being hurt or getting a bad farrier and it damaging their feet is so big how can we find somebody that maybe we don't know anyone that knows a good farrier how can we go and find the best person in our area the best person always to ask is a vet oh, okay the vet always recommend would recommend someone you don't have like a central group where you guys are all registered? Oh, there is the Farrier's Registration Council. You can go on there. If you type in find a farrier on Google, mm-hmm. then you can go on there and find a farrier with who's registered. Everyone's up there. You just type in your postcode. Or if you know someone's last name, you don't know their number, then you can just type in their last name and it will come up with a farrier in your area. So it's like the BHS, the British Horse Society's instructor list. Yeah. That's what you guys have exactly. for farriers. Yeah, so you, you just type in Google find a farrier and... You click on that and then you just type in the information you 
requirements. And you know that they're all registered, and in order to be registered, I guess you have to go through qualifications. Yeah, they all have a diploma from the Worshipful Company of Farriers or above. And you have to learn literally intricate details on the on the hoof and the ligaments going up the leg. Yeah, we do ligaments, tendons, uh, nerves, blood supply, everything below the knee in detail as a through an apprenticeship. We do know generally the whole horse, mm. but through your apprenticeship, it's generally from the knee below and then just general about the whole horse. Yeah, are there things that we can we can feed our horses that can help make their hooves a bit stronger? Uh, there's loads of different products on the market. Um, Farrier's Formula, Better for Hooves. Um, it's the biotin, the product. I keep um, hearing it, about biotin. It, yeah, it is a lot to do with the biotin, but also you need a um, mixture of biotin and methionine as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, what so about magnesium? I mean, oh, you get everything else as well. Um, yeah. I mean, one person said to me that one product should give you everything your horse needs. So if you have farrier's formula, you shouldn't really need many more supplements. Okay. And they just they just make the horse's hoof a little bit stronger, a bit thicker? They, they just... No, all that does is just gives the horse the stuff that it requires to have healthy growth. So anything that it's lacking in. For instance, if it's lacking in the biotine and refining level, then it just adds that into its foot because it doesn't just do it for the whole foot, it, for the whole horse. I mean, the fur is made from the same product as the hoof, just a different type. Um, so it, it all helps each other, really. Is that why you find dogs quite often eat the horse's hooves? Like, if they're on the floor, I find dogs like to eat it. Yes, yeah, and you, you generally find that a lot of farriers' dogs have good skin, uh, fur. Because they eat... <laughs> See, my dog was sick. Yeah. He ate it, it, and then he couldn't stop being sick and had awful... Because it's an overdose. Ah. It, if the dog's not used to it, I, I personally think it sort of overdoses on the... Have you had any times... Well, I know of one time when you had a, a pretty horrific accident... What happened? It was my own fault, really. Um, I didn't let go of the horse's foot in time. Um, the horse properly reared up, lifted me up, and then <gasps> my face hit, came into contact with the floor first before the rest of my body. And then it's just one of those things. Did the So the horse reared up. Did it actually knock you off your feet? Did you actually lift off the floor? Yes. Wow. Yeah, the horse lifted off, off the floor because they are, it doesn't matter what size they are, they are strong animals. What made it do that then? Cause this I, I is think a... it just spooked at something. Um, it's a sixteen-hand thoroughbred, I believe. Because this is a, a, a normally a very calm horse. This horse yes. doesn't spook a lot of things. It, it was a windy day, so I'd imagine that had a lot to do with it. Do you ever wake up sometimes and think, okay, I'm actually a little bit scared of, of going and doing certain horses because the risk of you getting hurt is quite big. No, because if you're scared, then the horse is one already. The horse can sense you being scared. So the worst thing you could ever do. Be scared. I mean, I've been flown across the yard a few times by horses, and you just get up, brush yourself off, and get back on with the job because there's no point being scared. Is there anything again that we can do as owners that can make your life a little bit easier? Just give us a good, nice, warm coffee, we'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Coffee and biscuits. Yeah, I mean, as long as you do your general picking up feet and making sure that the horse is happy and when you say picking up feet you mean you don't want to be the first person to pick up the horse's foot when it's a baby no no we shouldn't be the first person we we should be the person that comes in and looks at your horse's feet and we're not the person that comes in and trains your horse how to pick up his feet Mm. that should be the responsibility of the owner unless it or they get a trainer in then the trainer but the farrier's job is to deal with the feet not train the horse you've got your safety to think about as well and if a horse hasn't had its feet picked up before then yeah i mean a a lot of farriers are because we do it all the time we are pretty good at dealing with misunderstood horses shall i say not naughty but generally speaking a lot of the time it is quite a dangerous job i mean we are working with probably the most dangerous part of the horse Mm. um and if we get kicked or anything like that i mean a lot of farriers have been kicked and and they break a bone or something then we are out of work for six weeks which doesn't seem a lot but that is six weeks of no money because of what you do though because of your job we think that you're so brave and most of us are a little bit well i can't speak for everybody some people are really confident but most of us are a little bit (laughs) a little bit not that confident at times so we think oh well you know i think oh toby can come and do that because he's really brave but actually, we need to take responsibility and deal with it ourselves. Yeah, I mean, as, as long as you... For instance, the first thing I tell people to do when they're uh, looking at doing anything with their horse is stroke the horse all over. Before you even try to do anything, if you stroke every single hair on that horse's leg, 
it's comfortable in your space it's comfortable with you around its body and you shouldn't have a problem with anything else okay so now give me the gossip tell me what drives you mad about horse owners oh there's different types of horse owners there's (laughs) the ones that just ask all the questions which is never a bad thing really oh good because that's Um, me (laughs) because at the end of the day all they want to do is just learn yeah so if you've got an owner that actually wants to learn that's pretty good i mean you can't go wrong with that mm-hmm. um because they're interested you get the ones that ask the silly questions but then there's no such thing as a silly question so again that's never a bad thing the ones that don't pay obviously oh. they they are quite frustrating because then it makes you not trust anyone and that's not fair because they you know you've done a job and yeah. you need to be paid for that job yeah it's, it's when they say oh we, we don't have the money we'll have to pay you next time and then don't phone you back but then for instance you don't go to a shop and get a carton of milk and not pay exactly so you're doing them a job and also in most cases you're probably doing them a favour. So it's not fair that you don't pay. So And then you get the clients that um, obviously can't clean their feet off or anything because unfortunately at the moment it's wet so it's all muddy. So Which is unfortunately you can't do the best of your ability but you still do a very good job if you can. Mm-hmm. But with mud everywhere and everything you can't see the feet as mm. you'd like to see them. Um in some cases, though, there's there's just no facilities to be able there's to do not, that. So the no. horses are in a field. There's no yeah. there's no hose pipe. But then also, you don't really want to get their feet wet either, because no. that's more chance of mud fever. But the least they can do is pick get, out pick the horses' the feet. feet and try and scrape off some of the mud. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Or just they've got to realise that we can't do the best of our ability if the horses' feet are muddy or in mud because you you physically can't i mean like today we did your horse unfortunately Mm -hmm. you couldn't open the gate to get it on the the better bit of ground so we did it in the mud but that wasn't too bad but if you're doing that every single time you can't see those horses feet properly yeah so you can't do the best of your ability okay that's fair enough you can only do the best that you can do with the situation i guess and you're in all sorts of situations what is the most exciting time that you've ever been a farrier can you think of anything that you've done i can do unfortunately it's not still horses oh go on um i was very lucky enough with ross from lippock to go to marwell and trim one of the giraffes Wow. So what was the difference then between <laughs> between trimming a horse and trimming a giraffe? Well, the giraffe's feet is, is cloven to start off with. Mm-hmm. But it, it's basically like a horse's foot, but cloven. So it's two parts. What was the actual giraffe like? Did it just stand there? Unfortunately, the giraffe has to be fully sedated on, okay. on the floor because they are, again, very dangerous. Oh. One kick from them, it will kill someone. Wow. So sometimes they, they generally try to not have them done if if it can help it but with this case it had to be done what was wrong with its feet um the toes started to cross over mm-hmm. so needed straightening out yeah it needs to be sorted so your horse then your horse um is still in recovery he's had some antibiotics so what are you doing for riding at the moment uh nothing at the moment just sitting around waiting for him to be all right but but you did go hunting. You went, went hunting, hunting at the weekend. I loaned a horse to go hunting with one of my clients. Is this the first time you've been hunting? It is indeed, yeah. Ah, what was it like? It was good fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's a drag hunt, so they just um, followed a, a smell, a scent. Okay, because they don't actually chase foxes, real foxes. No. There's a guy with a scent on a, yeah. on a rag, yeah. and he runs through the forest for two hours. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, they they normally set set out a uh, a scent beforehand, just just in front of the the hounds. And um, so the hounds chase. Uh, it's either a runner or a quad bike. Yeah, or a motorbike or something like that. Yeah, I don't know how it works, but yes. And then that goes through the forest, and then about half an hour after the quad bike has set off, that's when the hounds and the horses yes. go. So yeah. there's no real foxes. There's no, no chasing real foxes. No, I've I've seen a case when I was following a hunt that the hounds went straight past the fox, and a fox ran the other way. Oh wow! So I mean. They generally don't go for a fox. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what happens when you get to the other side then and the hounds have caught up with the quad bike? What's their, what's their reward? It's just enjoyment for the day. It's like any dog going for a walk. Going for a run? Yeah. Okay. It's just they're a pack animal, so they go in a pack. So what horse did you get given? This is your first ever hunt. Uh, I believe it was, a, again, a cob cross for a red. Mm-hmm. It was 16 hands, pie bowled. No, it was a really, really good day. Just a nice, nice... General hack. <laughs> a general hack, just going as fast <laughs> yeah. as you can over fences. Yeah. Did you uh, did you have a shot of port before you went? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just what to is... warm you up just what... before you go. Yeah. Good. 
And did you nice, take anything with you? Nice social. No, I'd never do that. Drink, <laughs> drink and drive. You'd it's... never take a hip flask with no. you, would you? Never. <laughs> so, did like what was it like then? Did the horses? I have this vision of like twenty really highly strung horses bolting down the field. Like I, I wouldn't be brave enough to go because I wouldn't. I just would be too scared that I wouldn't be able to pull the horse up. And you're going over like five foot five bar gates. I mean, you've got, depending on the horse, obviously, you do have control. Um, you have to, really, because you have to stay behind the hunt master. Yeah. Oh, you have to stay behind the hunt master? Yeah. How long were you out for? Um, I was out until, from 11 till 2.30. Um, oh, good few hours. Yeah. I bet you're aching now. Yeah, a few stiff, stiff parts. <laughs> were there any dodgy moments? Uh, there was one dodgy moment where the horse bucked. Wow. I stayed on somehow Love with no you. stirrups and no, it was good. And what made the horse buck? Oh, just excitement. Did just you jump a few fences? Um, well, on that on that instance, I thought it was best that I didn't and I went through the, the gate because um, I had no stirrups. So <laughs> I thought it was probably a good idea to try and stop him, which I managed managed to do. So so he bucked out of excitement because he didn't want to go through the gate. He wanted to go over the fence. Yeah. <laughs> no. And follow the rest of them. <laughs> oh. So when you're then like sorting yourself out and sorting your stirrups out and going through the gate, are these horses like quite far in front now? Does your no, because no, horse... they stop every now and then when the um, the hound loses the scent. Uh-huh. Um, so then they gather around, try and find a scent again, and then they, they're off again. And it was good fun, was yeah. it? And you'd yeah. go again? Oh, good. Yes, yeah. And this is what you want to train Arthur for? Yes, yeah, yeah, let's do that in eventing. I'd love to see it the first time you take him out, because he's just going to be so excited that he won't know what to do with himself. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> you want to have breaks? Yeah. So what's your plan this year then, Toby? Uh, I want to do my ex-qualification in, in horse lameness. Should be good. So if I do that, my level two and three this year, and then ne- next year go over to America and do my level four in lameness. Um, what do they teach you over there then that you can't learn over here? You just can't work on the horses over here. But you can over there? Yeah. Different rules. Oh, really? Yeah. So you get more experience? Yes, basically, yeah, yeah. They've got those facilities over there to do it, where we don't over here. And whereabouts in America do you do that? I don't know yet. Okay. Well, <laughs> we've got some really good friends on Horse Hour that are from America, and they live right. there, so you never know, and they might be able to help you. Yeah, it's with the ELPO, E-L-P-O, Lamus Investigation qualification i believe oh i'm sure we've got some lovely friends that would help you out there they'll tell you where to go and who to see and where to stay and yeah. but they... hopefully there'll be another farrier doing it as well with me so we'll do it together oh and... good and you can do a bit of traveling as well because you can go and see some of uh, our guests that we've had on the podcast yeah but i also travel over to alderney to do all those horses where's the, alderney in the channel islands oh do you yeah yeah i'm the farrier for the island over there <laughs> for the whole island yes Oof. yeah there's 46 horses over there Wow. And I um I look after them all, go over there every six weeks. You can't do them all in one day, though. Uh, I go for a long weekend, so go Friday morning, come back Sunday. Is it a few people that own most of the horses, or is yeah, it? Yeah, I think there's about ten, twelve horse owners over there. Something like that. Nice, well-paid weekend that is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a nice weekend away. It's a lovely island. Is it? Yeah, really nice. I can imagine it. I just imagine it being quite quaint in Alderney. Yeah, quite small. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be able to get over there in this weather though, at the moment. Um, you've got to get the right days and times. It is a struggle yeah. to get back sometimes. But So then, let's just recap of how we can make your life easier. A farrier needs coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah bacon butter even better. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you want us to be on time. Yes, yeah. I we're... mean, even though we're late, sometimes it's un- unavoidable. But uh, if we're on time and the client's late, then it makes us late for the rest of the day. Yeah. Which is obviously not fair on other people. And you want us to bring the horse in ready for you? Yeah. Because I think that's fair enough. Yes. And to hold the horse while you're doing their feet? Sometimes hold them. If they're good enough being tied up, then tie them up. Sometimes it's even easier. If, personally, I, I find with the naughty or less well-behaved ones that I hold them myself and they're an angel. So it's just yeah. time, really. Yeah. And I think we kind of forget about you guys quite a lot. You're out in the freezing cold weather, whatever the weather, all day, every day. It's just being a little bit respectful, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Toby, thank you so much for joining us. That's right. How can we get in contact with you? I don't know if we have any questions. Are you on Twitter? 
How oh, I'm on Facebook. Toby Daniels, Dip WCF. Yes, I have a page on that. Good luck with your hunting. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening. That's another episode of Horse Hour, our second episode of 2016. My name's Amy Stevenson. You can follow me on Twitter at Amy Stevenson one You can also follow Horse Hour and get involved. Our Twitter handle is at Horse Hour. If you want to be involved in the conversation, then just hashtag Horse Hour. It's every Monday, 8 till 9 p.m. GMT time. And uh, you can talk about anything if you have any questions if you want to help some other people with some advice if you'd like to share anything maybe your business your charity or your event hashtag horse hour i'll speak to you next week even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.